Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Leave it to this White House to screw up 9-11. The President of the United States of America is the leader of this country, and on 9-11, he has a simple job to do. Remember what happened on this anniversary and make sure everyone else remembers and that we never forget what was done to us on 9-11. Yet, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden somehow figured out a way to screw it up. The White House now playing defense as somehow they figured out how to screw it up by using a Pearl Harbor analogy to defend Joe Biden missing the 9-11 commemoration. 22 years after Pearl Harbor, they said U.S. presidents were still not going to visit Hawaii. That is the excuse for the president now, I'm not joking, missing the 9-11 commemoration. Listen to this. Focus the last couple days has been on President Biden here in South Asia. And when I asked a White House official why it is that President Biden was here and missing the 9-11 commemorations at the attack sites, the analogy that I was given is that 22 years after Pearl Harbor, U.S. presidents were not still going to visit Hawaii. That said, the whole point of this trip appeared to be countering China. Everything that we were told ahead of it, uh, they were going to come here to try to counter Chinese influence in the region. But when we finally heard from President Biden, he told us the exact opposite. This trip was about, it was less about containing China. I, I, I don't want to contain China. We're not looking to hurt China. Uh, sincerely. We're all better off if China does well. I, I want to see China succeed economically. I don't want to see it succeed by the rules. So polite chat about China consumed the very short Q&A, which went a whole 26 minutes until the press secretary announced offstage the event was over and music played the president off. Now, I'm going to get to the whole president being played off stage in a moment because that was incredibly embarrassing. 
uh, just to watch the world see a president who is clearly treated uh, like he is an incompetent elderly human being that cannot end a press conference. And the worst part is this was on the world stage. Now, there was already rumblings coming out of the summit that that he did not do well at the summit. Whether that's true or not, I don't really know because only the people in the room. But I would assume it's fairly accurate based on the fact that most people there are pretty darn liberal and actually like Joe Biden being the president of the United States of America. But when you use this White House diminishing the anniversary of 9-11 saying, hey, it's no big deal that, that, that the president didn't come back for, you know, to commemorate 9-11 and, and then saying, well... It's not like presidents 22 years after Pearl Harbor were still going to visit Hawaii. Like, that's their analogy. That's how little they think uh, of this anniversary of 9-11 and what just happened. Rudy Giuliani, by the way, America's mayor, he responded uh, also to something else that was shocking, which is the Vice President Harris comparing 9-11 to January the 6th. This is how bad she screwed it up. So it's not just Biden that screwed it up by missing the whole thing. It's also the fact now that you have Kamala Harris, who's out there as the vice president, and she's comparing January the 6th to 9-11, which I guess fits the narrative, right? That all those people on January the 6th that were in around the Capitol, they're all jihadi terrorists. Take a listen to this from Giuliani. There is something seriously wrong with her. Uh, you know, we, we failed to take a good look of what was seriously wrong with Biden and look what we got. Mm. Uh, there's something seriously wrong with Kamala Harris. Those uh, 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 language soup that she engages in, which almost is like a five-year-old speaking, and that's not normal. Uh, to try to compare January 6th to September 11th, I mean, how, how do you even seriously uh, uh, do that? Uh, 3,000 people just about died on September 11. Could be another 3,000 pretty much pretty soon with the uh, illnesses thereafter. We're, I think we're at about 2,734 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are dying every day of related illnesses. Uh, it was a direct attack on the United States of America by a foreign enemy. So you, you look at 9-11, you look at this anniversary, and the message coming from the White House is, how dare you expect the President of the United States of America to show up on the anniversary of 9-11? We didn't do it in, uh, in Hawaii after Pearl Harbor, right, 21, 22 years later. So, you know, get over it. And then you have the Vice President, who is actually, in essence, filling in for the President while he's overseas, because he's not here for this, and she then compares... 9-11 to January 6th. Now, the White House understood they screwed up pretty quick because social media was um, letting the White House have it, it the, for the fact that the president's like nowhere to be found on, on, on 9-11, right? Like, where is he? Why isn't he doing something? Why is he involved? This is the president of the United States of America. What the hell are you doing? And so then they got the president to try to fix it. The only problem was... Joe Biden didn't fix it. Now, I'm going to read for you the transcript because there's some mumbling here, and I want you to understand what he says before I play it for you. Biden says this, okay? He's at a meeting. He's overseas, 
And he's trying to, I guess they were wanting him to fix this problem, the narrative here that he didn't care. And this is what Biden said. Thank you for your sentiment and concern for those we lost on 9-11. He's referring to the other world leaders he's sitting with. I will be going from here to Alaska to speak to several thousand of our troops in Alaska because I'm not going to be able to get back to the site where it occurred. Every year, I'm usually at one of the sites where that act, where the terrorist act occurred. But you were generous to think of us. So the president's saying, okay, well, I'm going to do something. It's going to be in Alaska because I don't have time to go to the site where the terrorists actually struck. So, uh, but, but, but we're, we're, we're going to backfill this and check a box and we'll be in Alaska instead. Thank you for your concern for those who lost on the I'll be going from here to Alaska to speak to several thousand of our troops in Alaska. And I'm not going to be able to get back to the site that occurred in your And that one of the sites that occurred. He's closing his eyes and mumbling. Now, I gave you the transcript of what the White House says he says. I don't think he actually said that. At the end, there was so much mumbling there. It was, And he's closing his eyes. He's clearly confused. So this is the President of the United States of America on 9-11. Now, I bring all this up to also say something else. And that is the issue of our open border and the problem we have right now with our open border, especially in light of 9-11. I mentioned this on the morning of 9-11, and Senator Ted Cruz and I also talked about this on our podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz. And on the anniversary of 9-11, he had a warning for the country about the reality of the southern border. Listen. And I do worry that we've lost some of that focus. Yeah. Um, You look at the border now. We have a wide open border. It was something that was talked about after 9-11. You have a border that is could allow any terrorist to come across now. That's the easiest way to get into this country would be come across our southern border. And I worry, and we've caught people on the terrorist watch list coming across our southern border. I worry that we have forgotten the lessons of 9-11 and what security looks like. We've done it at the airports and we've kept that up, right? We, we, you go to the airport, I think most people feel very secure when they fly. Uh, the way that we've changed the way that we do security Yet we have this wide open southern border. Well, listen, listeners of Verdict, I think, played a real role recently responding to the Biden administration's attempt to take the death penalty off the table for Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and and the mastermind planners of 9-11. And we devoted an entire podcast to exposing that. And I think many people spoke out and were outraged. And at least right now, it appears the Biden administration is backing away from that. And so that was something significant that that, that viewer listeners, that, that, that verdict listeners and viewers, a difference that collectively we made. When it comes to the southern border, you're right. We have a vulnerability on our southern border. Every month, people are coming across who are on the terror watch list. The numbers dwarf the number of known terrorists who would come in prior to Joe Biden. Joe Biden's open borders are many things. They're an invitation for people to die and for cartels to brutalize children and to sexually assault women. And they're an invitation to flood this country with narcotics and fentanyl that's murdering over 100,000 people. And, And they're an invitation for Mexican drug lords to become multi, multi billionaires globally 
but it's also an invitation to terrorists. If you're the next planner of 9-11, it's obvious where you go. Yeah. You go to Mexico, and you come right across, and Joe Biden and the idiots in his administration will fly you to wherever you want to go in this country, and you can carry out your terror attack. And sadly, every day that we have an open border under Joe Biden and the Democrats, the odds of another major attack in this country, major terror attack, go up systematically. They are exposing us. They are exposing vulnerabilities, whether it is someone trying to hijack an airplane or whether it is a suicide bomber in a mall or, or an amusement park or a concert or, 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 or what have you. We are vulnerable to global terrorism because this administration has thrown open the border and will not protect us. Senator Ted Cruz is is not just right because he is in Texas and understands the border. He's right because the terrorist watch list says so. The warnings that have come from the FBI say so. Because we have known terrorists that we've caught coming across an open southern border, and we're not catching every single one of them. The question that we should all be asking ourselves is, in fact, how many of them are here right now? But let's just pause on that part of the debacle of this uh, 9-11 lack of caring from this White House, and let's also go to something else. Joe Biden surrendered to our enemies last 9-11. You may remember that We left Afghanistan for an artificial victory, right? Oh, I'm the one that got us out of the longest war in American history. Who cares who we left behind? Who cares that we left American citizens behind Afghanistan? Who cares he lied to the American people about it? Who cares about all the people that helped the translators and others, the family members who have been tortured and raped and beheaded and killed in the streets because they helped Americans, right? Helped the infidels during the war when we hired them and promised to get them out of the country and keep them safe if they helped us. They were hoping you were going to cheer for them for that, right? They're the ones that ended the longest war. And so 22 years later, we're sitting here and we see a president that don't, doesn't make the time to commemorate it doesn't care that we gave that country back to our enemies, doesn't care who we left behind that, that are going to be, that, that have and are still being brutally hunted down, murdered, killed, raped, everything they can do to you. Doesn't care about the fact that his vice president's comparing January the 6th to, to what happened on 9-11 on the anniversary of 9-11. It's, I mean, some wounds never heal fully and uh, the wounds of 9-11 never will for, for so many. Um, I, I do remember that unity. I remember uh, what it was like to have the whole country pulling together and it lasted for a while. Um, the, I mean, the irony to me is, it's, I mean, it's epitomized by the fact that Joe Biden is not at ground zero today. Uh, this was a moment where people, it used to be a moment where people put aside their differences and, and came together as a country and the president who promised to unite us uh, is not there. I, I actually don't mind the fact that he's not there in a way because uh, he, and I say this with sadness because I think that we should respect the office uh, regardless of who the occupant is, but Joe, Joe Biden is the president who surrendered to the enemies who attacked us on September 11, 2001, and did so 
with dishonor because he left behind, he knowingly left behind American citizens in Afghanistan after promising that he wouldn't do it. He, uh, you know, he, he, he told the Taliban offered to to allow us to keep control of Kabul. Uh, and he decided to put our, our the security of our men and women in uniform in the hands of the Taliban and the Haqqani Network, which is an al-Qaeda-linked terrorist organization. And that resulted in the death of 13 Americans. Um, and then he lied to the American people repeatedly about it. He told them uh, that there were, no one was having trouble getting to the airport, that al-Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan, that uh, none of his military commanders had recommended a, a, a residual force and that it was an extraordinary success. Um, and so, you know, it, people, you know, people looked at that and were horrified by it. And so, you know, I think a lot of the lack of unity we have today is from the fact that, you know, this has been uh, this is this this moment is no longer uniting because we had this great defeat two years ago uh, that we had to that we had to absorb. And uh, President Biden, uh, you know, I think he actually made the right decision to stay away, probably not for the right reasons, but uh, it's probably better that he's not there. Now, there are legitimate questions now about the president not being at these things. And maybe is that the White House protecting him because he's so awkward now and he can't stay focused. He can't keep his train of thought. A great example of this is the White House actually turned off Joe Biden's microphone after multiple gaffes. And then he started rambling during a press conference over in Asia. Listen carefully to the president. You'll hear them actually turn his mic off and then in essence play him off the stage by overriding his mic by telling the people the press conference is over while the president is still talking. We talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, the uh, the the uh, the southern hemisphere had access to change it had access we, it wasn't confrontational at all he came up thank, thank you everybody this ends the count press thank conference you. thanks everyone thank you thank you and there's your music People are yelling at him. And, and then he yells back at him, and his mic's been turned off. And then he slowly walks off the stage to that elevator music. That's your president of the United States of America in Hanoi. The president of the United States of America can't even do his own press conference without his own team shutting it down. Now, this is not a, a, a moment that, that, by the way, the media is acting like it didn't happen. Even CNN covered it this weekend. They were in shock by this when they couldn't believe and they referred to it as, quote, an awkward moment. For President Biden's trip to the G20 in India to meet with global leaders and a visit to Vietnam to discuss a new strategic partnership, Biden spoke at a press conference in Vietnam on Sunday and it ended a, a little abruptly. It wasn't confrontational at all. Thank, thank you, everybody. This ends the count press conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I love how CNN says it ended a little uh, awkwardly. It ended a little abruptly in Vietnam. Yeah, you think? And look, maybe that's the reason why the president of the United States of America, they just pulled the plug on everything that deals with 9-11, because why would you why would you want to have this guy there? If he can't even handle his own press conference in Hanoi, it's very clear now. 
that the president's cognitive decline is going to be a campaign issue. And, and how do I know this? I'll tell you, th- th- this is the other reason. Ana Navarro in The View, they went into full White House uh, pit bull attack mode on The View, defending Joe Biden. And, and this is when you know things are starting to get bad, because even The View, after she said this, went into also starting to protect Kamala Harris in case she somehow gets the job. Listen to Ana Navarro, though, claiming Joe Biden's age is, is a non-issue, which is clearly not what the polls are now saying. Like, it just felt like they had come together on messaging, and we haven't seen that quite yet. Well, look, I think this is, um, this is what Republicans have against Biden, because this administration has really gotten a ton of very difficult bipartisan legislation through in a divided Congress with a very difficult Senate makeup of 50-50. Bipartisan infrastructure bill, bipartisan Safe Communities Act, first major gun legislation in decades, U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, bipartisan climate health care and tax package, fiscal responsibility act, and the list is long. So what do they need to focus on? They need to focus on the undeniable. Joe Biden is old, and that's a narrative that's been created to cause panic in people. And then, so what's the second part of that narrative? Joe Biden is old, and Kamala Harris is unprepared. Now, go on with the rest of that, because you know there's another part to that. Yeah, okay, Joe Biden is old, but he ain't dying anytime soon. I don't know if you guys saw him this weekend. He was at the G20. One moment I turned on the TV, he was in India. Then I turned on the TV, he was in Vietnam. Then I turned on the TV, he was giving a press conference. And then at the end of being up for like 24 hours, working in a completely different part of the world, he said, you know what, I got to go to bed. Well, Republicans were all pouncing on the fact that the man who'd been up for 38 hours... Yeah. <laughs> had to, I had to go to bed just watching him on TV. I just, I, you know what? I, I mean, this is amazing. I, never, I had to go to bed just watching on TV. By the way, if you look at his actual schedule, it was not that hard of a trip. They had more than enough time for him to sleep in the schedule. And they're sitting there. And they're like, well, you don't understand. He's, we saw him in different places around the world. I, I've slept in between going to different countries. I've done it quite a few times in my life. That's not an accomplishment. The fact that they're acting like that is now some sort of accomplishment tells you everything you need to know about these idiots. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. 
Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Every day, there are two different economies that are growing bigger and bigger. One of them is powered by everyday Americans who are sick and tired of all the woke propaganda being jammed into every product that we're consuming. Well, big mobile companies are no different. For years, they've been dumping millions and millions into leftist causes, including Planned Parenthood. And you had to have a cell phone, and that's the reason why you paid that bill, because you didn't have an alternative. Well, guess what? Now there's an alternative, Patriot Mobile. They are America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they use your money to fight back. They offer you dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. Now, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are sending a loud message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team as well, so they make switching easy. You get to keep your phone, keep your phone number two. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson or call them 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Ferguson. Ask about their coverage guarantees while you're there. Get the same dependable service that you want and take a stand for the values that you demand. PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson or 878-PATRIOT. There's also something else that's happening. And... It's not just the fact that Democrats are really concerned now about Biden's age and they're concerned about his incompetency. They're concerned about the, 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 the rambling. But now they're trying to figure out what's next. There was two things that happened that are very telling. One, there's an actual article that came out uh, in the Hill newspaper. It says the memo, five Democratic alternatives if President Biden exits the 2024 race. Now, this came out, and I'm going to read part of it to you in a moment, but it also is coming out the same time where many in the media are starting to talk about what does it look like if we do kick Joe Biden to the curb? Sonny Hostin, who is basically nothing more than a press secretary for Kamala Harris, she said this on The View as well. Listen. I just, you know what, what kind of... Uh, it's still strange to me. Why is Kamala so dangerous? Right? That's why do you think she's I don't so dangerous? Know, Whoopi. That's kind of offensive to me. And the other thing is she's unprepared. Kamala Harris, uh, by the way, was the first woman elected DA of San Francisco, the first woman to be attorney general of California. She's the first female vice president. She's been on the job doing a damn good job. And I am so tired of people questioning her qualifications. The woman is ready to lead if she, need, if she needs to lead. But I don't think Joe Biden's going anywhere because I see him on his bike in Delaware. I can't bike that much. And I mean, he's, he's, he's fit. And let's compare the Republican candidate who eats cheeseburgers and throws spaghetti at the wall. I mean, is, is he prepared? And is indicted in four jurisdictions, people. Yeah. Now, you couldn't see what I was watching when that happened on TV, but this was clearly a pre-planned segment. Uh, it, it was obvious that this was pre-planned because Sonny kept looking down at her notes. She had notes that she clearly had prepared to make the argument for which you just heard. 
And this was not an organic conversation. This was not a, you know, it's interesting you brought X, Y, and Z up, and I really want to talk about this. To be clear, this was 100% deliberately done on purpose. This was something they made a conversation about, I'm sure, in the back room before the show. And they're like, hey, I want to go into, you know, Joe Biden will defend him. But then also let's float this idea about about Kamala Harris and let's defend her. And she's like, all right, staff, get me some talking points here. I need some good talking points for, for her because she was looking down the entire time that she was doing the analogies about her career and the accolades. She didn't know any of that stuff from heart. This was all scripted TV. And and while this is happening, while they're floating this idea that, okay, maybe we get rid of Joe Biden, maybe it's time to say goodbye to Joe Biden, like maybe this is the end of the road for him, there was another op-ed that also came out over the weekend. And this is how you know that the Democratic Party is really starting to float this real quick to see if they can get their act together and could they even have a chance to replace Joe Biden if they need to? And would that be with Kamala Harris? Who else would that be with, right? Like, like who, who else would it be? This is the op-ed that came out over the weekend. Hunter Biden could hand Donald Trump the keys to the White House. Poor America. It may soon be easier to list the figures in American public life who are not under indictment than those who are. Most famously, the article writes... Former President Donald Trump is under four indictments ranging from hush money payments to election interference. The most recent indictment from the Fulton County relates to alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election results in the state of Georgia. Trump was charged along with 18 others. Despite all this and more, the former president remains the front runner to be the Republican nominee for the 2020, 2024 election. That he will have to be on the campaign trail only when he is not in the courtroom is a suboptimal situation for his party, to say the least. So they're even admitting now in these articles that this is uh, a straight up election interference. They have charged the president, former President Trump, with crimes because they know that that will then mean that he cannot be on the campaign trail. He'll be stuck in a courtroom defending himself, making sure he doesn't go to prison for the rest of his life over these bogus charges. They're saying this to you. They're, they're, they're putting it in writing now. Quote, but this week we learned that the grand jury in Georgia also looked into indicting 39 other people including former senators and two sitting senators, among them senior Republican leader Lindsey Graham. The fact that the grand jury even thought of this is extraordinary, given Graham's only crime was to question the integrity of mail-in ballots, something which many people did in 2020 because the unprecedented number of these ballots during a COVID election. Besides which, Democrats have often complained about election interference whenever it suited them. Senator Grant ended up being one of the most important figures in the Republican Party to stand against Donald Trump's claims of a stolen election. And after all this, a grand jury wanted to indict him, the article reads. Whenever anyone notes, as I just have, that despite all this, Trump remains the frontrunner, a question logically always follows. How the hell? It seems inconceivable to many outside of America that a candidate could not just be running for office, but leading their party race by the highest possible margins under such circumstances. What has gone wrong with the place? Referring to America, the author writes. 
The answer is that the indictments are actually helping Trump when Democrats see the former president's mugshot, as they recently got to do. Perhaps they equal some delight in their ultimate fantasy that it might finally be coming true. Trump behind bars. But the other half of the country reacts differently. Certainly, there are many Republican voters who believe that the party needs to move beyond Trump. But Republican voters in general do not believe that Trump has been treated fairly. And that is correct. They see Trump, as he sees himself, as the victim of a political witch hunt. As the indictments build up, the support for Trump among the GOP base has actually solidified and also gone up. Many Americans on both sides of the aisle simply no longer believe that Lady Justice is blind. They believe the legal system, like almost every other institution in this country, is woefully politicized and that it has become a political weapon of choice, a weapon currently being used to take out the former president and prevent him from running in 2024. Of all the things that presently persuade Republican voters is this fact. The sorest point of contention remains a subject of Hunter Biden, the current president's son. To many Americans, as well as those outside of America, the case of Hunter Biden is background noise. This is perhaps because in 2020, when the New York Post obtained and then and published some of the contents of Hunter Biden's purported laptop, the country's oldest newspaper had its social media account throttled. What many including one former acting director of the CIA, will view as a concerted campaign of disinformation, was then coordinated by now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and more than 50 former intelligence agents, along with Twitter, Facebook, and parts of the media and others in America elite. They contributed to the effective suppression and discrediting of the Post story. Even today, many intelligence, well-informed Democratic voters can remain totally ignorant about the contents of the laptop for this reason. Some have a vague idea that there was were embarrassing photographs on the laptop. But because there has been such a blackout of the story, few are as fully versed as Republican voters about why the laptop is actually so important. The reason is that its contents allegedly show Hunter Biden engaged in multiple influence peddling operations. In other words, profiting from his connections to receive vast payments from among other countries, including China and Ukraine. Now, I read you this so that you understand something's happening right now. Democrats are concerned that Joe Biden may actually lose. Democrats are concerned about his cognitive decline. Democrats are concerned about the embarrassment of him being on stage and then his own staff shutting his microphone off and playing him off that stage. They're concerned about his screw-ups, even on the anniversary of 9-11. And they're certainly concerned about Kamala Harris being the heir apparent to the throne. They don't like her either, just so you know. So what does this mean? It means they're now talking and floating and looking at these other ideas of other candidates. And that's why you're going to start seeing more and more of these articles that are going to be written. And people are going to be throwing more names out there in the coming days and weeks. Because Democrats are now truly afraid they may actually lose to Donald Trump. Make sure you share this podcast with your family and your friends. And I will see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.